Hello, and welcome to the Personal Injury Law Podcast. My name is Jonathan Rosenfeld, an attorney at Rosenfeld Injury Lawyers, LLC. This podcast is here to break down the barriers when it comes to the world of personal injury law. Each podcast will go into detail about a specific legal issue or type of personal injury case, from everyday occurrences to the esoteric. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. For more information, visit my website at rosenfeldinjurylawyers.com. Hi, I am Jonathan Rosenfeld, and I am an attorney, and I am with my good friend and colleague, Marty Gould, today, and we are here to talk about probably one of the largest and most prolific drug recalls in the United States uh, ever, uh, certainly in, in recent history, and that involves the uh, popular heartburn medication, Zantac. Um, Marty is very active with the Zantac litigation and he is here today to discuss the status of the litigation, uh, who qualifies for this, and to sort of give us some, uh, some insight as to how these cases may play out. Uh, Marty, uh, first off, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Uh, and could you just uh, briefly introduce yourself uh, and um, let us know a little bit about the background and sort of just what Zantac is and, and, and sort of how bring us up to date with the um, uh, current status of the recall on Zantac. John, thanks for the introduction. Uh, I'm of counsel with Rosenfeld Injury Lawyers. Our team represents hundreds and hundreds of uh, individuals that have cancer that we believe was caused by uh, Zantac consumption or generic. Zantac is, was a very popular heartburn and acid reflux medication. Uh, it's millions and millions of uh, people have used Zantac for those purposes. And recent studies have shown that there's a connection between uh, an ingredient in Zantac, ranitidine, and cancer. Uh, it's the chemical structure of ranitidine, of, of, of the Zantac tablet, that once it's consumed and once it's mixed with uh, water in your body, it causes what's called NBMA, a very uh, toxic sub substance that is uh, linked to cancer. And for that reason, people that have been taking Zantac, many of these people for years and years on a, uh, on a frequent basis, um, are now getting cancer. Typically, it's, it's a stomach cancer, bladder cancer, stomach cancer, but also the blood-based cancers, such as liver cancer. Um, and right now, the, there's a litigation that's being handled, a multi-district litigation, where all the Zantac cases are being filed in the Southern District of Florida. And anyone who has a case, they're filing their, their claims there. And the lawyers are litig litigating those cases now. We're still in the earlier stages. And there's trials that are expected to start going uh, in probably 2022. Now, you mentioned that these cases are filed in what's called a, a, 
multi-district litigation or MDL. Um, I wanna talk with you about the differences between an MDL uh, that some people may not be familiar with and a traditional lawsuit. Um, first off, um, I guess as a, as a starting point, I guess what is an MDL uh, case? Sure. A multi-district litigation uh, is essentially a type of case where you may have, or all the cases may be a little bit different. Uh, so if you've, if you've been taking Zantac for one year, uh, several times uh, a week, and somebody else has been taking Zantac for 10 years, um, you know, on a daily basis, you may have a different type of case uh, because your exposure was different. Uh, if you have a family history of cancer, that may be a relevant fact. So each of your cases, everyone's case is a little bit different. Everyone's injuries are a little different. Uh, some people tragically uh, are filing a case on behalf of a loved one who's, who's deceased, who's died because of cancer linked to Zantac. Others may just have an early diagnosis. So the injuries are different in every case. A multi-district litigation uh, essentially consolidates all the different cases uh, into one courtroom for efficiency purposes. It's typically done in, in a federal uh, courthouse. In this case, it's a federal courthouse in the Southern District of Florida. And uh, the judge, to, to avoid having rulings in many different states, in many different jurisdictions that could be conflicting, uh, you'll have one judge who will oversee the litigation, will set various deadlines. Uh, and essentially the cases are litigated in a fashion where there's bellwether cases, so the steering committee that, that's litigating most of these cases uh, will choose a certain number of cases that will be the first cases to be litigated, the first cases to go to trial. And once these bellwether cases are concluded, that usually allows uh, the rest of the, the plaintiffs to know what the potential values of these cases are. And it usually drives settlements. So if there's successful results at trial, it usually results in uh, settlement agreements or settlement discussions on other people that have cancer uh, that was linked to Zantac. Okay, so right now we have this, you know, MDL that's been filed in Florida, um, but we also have a, a recall that was issued by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, uh, related to to Zantac. Uh, and, you know, that, that what happened in uh, 2000, uh, I'm sorry, in September 13, 2019, the FDA issued that recall. Um, you know, why, I guess, did the FDA issue this recall? And why, you know, what is the impact that you see um, uh, in terms of the, the recall on the pending litigation? There are studies going back to the 80s uh, that linked NDMA and Zantac uh, to cancer. And as of late, because lawsuits were filed, uh, the US Food and Drug Administration started its own investigation. And on September 13, 2019, um, they essentially published a, a public warning about the link uh, there was additional research and lab testing. The levels of MDMA found uh, were 
significantly higher than which was deemed to be safe for a, for a body to consume. Uh, certainly very alarming. And the FDA certainly announced uh, that this was a potential uh, health hazard. In the wake of the FDA safety warnings, uh, the, the drug manufacturers for Zantac and its generic brands pulled off the drug from shelves across the country, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, many of the big retailers pulled the drug because uh, the consensus was it wasn't safe to be consumed. Um, and the unfortunate reality is that while people now aren't being exposed to Zantac and the cancer-causing substances uh, within the tablets, we still have thousands and thousands of people that have been using Zantac for years and have existing injuries. And that's what these cases are about. It's about compensating people for their past harms and for their current harms. Let me ask you this. So you mentioned that first off, this drug has been, Zantac has been on the market since the, uh, the 1980s. So this has been on the market for a, a long time. And I guess as a, a consequence of it, you know, the patents are, uh, on the original drug sort of expiring. Now we have different manufacturers and, and generic versions of this uh, that were on the market. Um, is that correct? That's correct. Uh, so you had various drug manufacturers that were producing Zantac or uh, a generic version of it, ranitidine, uh, Sanofi, GlaxoSmithKline, Oranger. Um, and the claims are essentially falling into two categories, a, de a defective design or manufacture of that drug, that it was defective, it was harmful, it shouldn't have been, uh, uh, it should have been sold to the public in the first place. And the second part of that is the failure to warn consumers um, because people are taking these drugs because the advertisements are saying, look, this is a safe drug. And I can remember some of the Zantac commercials. They had uh, somebody with a fire extinguisher and you know, he's using it and it's, hey, this is going to extinguish your heartburn and your acid reflex. Uh, it's a safe drug to use. That, that was the message and that wasn't the case. And I think through the discovery process, we'll get more specifics. When did these drug manufacturers first know that it wasn't harmful? You know, if there's studies out there from the 80s saying that there was a, that potential harmful cancer-causing link, there's good reason to believe that the manufacturers uh, had that information. And, and because they were selling it to millions and millions of consumers, um, they didn't act on that information. So I guess at this point, um, if you took Zantac or the generic equivalent is does it first off does it make any difference in terms of pursuing a, a legal claim? In other words, if I took uh, Zantac manufactured by Sanofi or by uh, Glaxo, does that make any difference uh, in terms of my legal rights in terms of filing a lawsuit at this point? Well, John, as you know, we represent hundreds and hundreds of uh, plaintiffs who have used either the name brand or the generic. There are legal differences, and that's why I think it's important for people to speak with a lawyer to understand what the potential uh, legal ramifications are if it, you were only consuming a generic. Um, but there's a few things to keep in mind. You know, when we sign a case, the first thing we tell people is, for one, 
do you have any Zantac in the house? Do you have any of the ranitidine in the house? You know, where you prescribed it? Is there any, you know, some people, we've had many clients that still have the bottle. Preserve the bottle. That's going to be evidence in the case. It's something we certainly want to keep hold on to. Um, and then I guess the next part of that is, is, is proving the use of, of the drug. Medical records, some people were prescribed it. Uh, other people, maybe, you know, because it was sold over the counter, weren't prescribed it, but had reported to other primary care physician or other doctors when they were asked, are you on any drugs prescribed or over the counter? They mentioned Zantac. Um, so those are some, some things to keep in mind. But there is, there is a difference uh, in terms of the cases if it's generic versus name brand. And that's why it's important to speak to a lawyer about that. Now, these cases are filed and they're pending in this MDL in, in Southern, Southern District of Florida. Um, can you sort of give us a, a little insight as to how these cases are handled in terms of an MDL? Um, how, what the court really does to sort of get a, a grasp of these cases? You know, we have people from really all over the country who have been impacted and sort of what the the court is doing in terms of unifying these cases and getting a grasp as to how people have been impacted. Um, you know, logistically, it seems like a, a little bit of a nightmare to have all these different people and all these different cases and everything else. But as a, as a person who has been impacted, either individually or if I have a, a family member who may have been impacted, um, and I'm sort of, you know, looking at this and saying like, oh boy, uh, do I even want to get involved? Can you just sort of give some insight as to what a, a plaintiff um, could expect if they were to, to get involved with the case? Sure. Step one is, you know, we have an internal questionnaire that we have uh, potential clients fill out, which asks a lot of the questions that the court is going to want to know. You know, the type of cancer the individual has, um, when they use the, the drug, how often they used it, are they still using it? And that's essentially the information that we're, we're going to have to submit to the court. You know, the Judge Rosenberg from the Southern District of Florida, the federal judge who's overseeing the case, uh, has essentially issued a questionnaire. It's called a, a Census Plus form that all claimants have to complete and file in the Zantac case. And those questions are the questions that we have our clients answer, you know, when they used it, how often, for how long, what's their diagnosis. Um, and from there, that allows the court, the defense uh, and, and the, the lawyers to have a better idea of, of each individual's claim, you know, and, and it provides a, a basis to verify the claims and make sure that the ones we have are, are legitimate claims that we can ideally get compensation for. Um, and with that, you know, there may be a second phase to uh, the case where after the census plus form is submitted, we may have a more detailed questionnaire that we have to submit to the court. You know, sometimes with you attach medical records, verifying your, di your, your cancer diagnosis and any medical records uh, that list Zantec as a drug that you've used whether it was prescribed or perhaps you uh, referenced it to a doctor. That's not the only way you can prove use. Your testimony is evidence. 
So, so you know, many people don't keep receipts. Uh, maybe they, they didn't tell their doctors they were taking it because it's over the counter. You can still have a case even if you don't have that. Uh, you know, your testimony is evidence. The evidence, you know, your, if you have family members that knew you were taking it, they're, they're witnesses, they can provide evidence. So there's many ways in which we go about proving your use and, and litigating your case. And it starts with that initial intake to find out whether you meet the certain criteria that we believe would put you in a position to file a claim. Now, before you even get to the point where you're filing a claim, I guess the, the first step is, hey, are you eligible? And when I'm talking about eligible, I'm talking about the, the time frame for bringing a case. Um, every single case is governed by a statute of limitations. And the statute of limitations uh, in these cases, um, it varies by where the person lives. Is that correct? That's correct. So even though there's a multi-district litigation in Florida, that doesn't mean that Florida law is controlling here. Every case, you know, every claim and every, every client's case can be a little bit different because you're applying laws often from that state in which the individual had experienced the harm, where they, where they, where they were consuming the Zantac. So if you were consuming the Zantac, you know, while you were living in Illinois, and then you were diagnosed with cancer, and then you moved to Michigan or Florida, the law that would apply in terms of the statute of limitations would likely be Illinois law. Uh, but every case is a little bit different, so it's important to speak with a lawyer to help you find out, uh, you know, whether there's a, an issue with the statute of limitations. With with cases against drug companies uh, such as this or Roundup or Lasartan, many people have consumed the drug, you know, decades earlier, and they consumed it for a long period of time. You know, it's it's not like being in a car accident where if you were hit by a car you knew that you were injured the day of the accident. Uh, there's a period of time, a latency period, where you may not be diagnosed with cancer. And I, and I hope, you know, it's, it's the worst news to get. And it's, it's, it's a very traumatic situation. But you may not get that diagnosis until 10 years after you had been taking Zantac. Uh, and there's something called a discovery rule in many states, a point in time where you discovered that you were injured and discovered, uh, you know, why you were injured. And that could trigger the running of the statute of limitations. So every case is a little bit different, but uh, if you had consumed it, you know, a long time ago, that, that, should, that may not close the door to pursuing a case. And, and you should certainly call a lawyer and find out if you still can. Interesting. So one of the... The ancillary issues here is we have a whole another group of, of potential plaintiffs who may have taken Zantac or the generic equivalent, and they may have developed a cancer, and they may have, have died from that cancer. Um, in those situations, can the family of the deceased pursue a claim at this point? Um, you know, can they pursue a, a, a wrongful death claim uh, if their loved one took Zantac, you know, in the past and, you know, they may not have been aware of the connection between the, their cancer and the NDMA and Zantac? 
In many cases, you can't. A family mm -hmm. can file a wrongful death case on behalf of a loved one uh, who, who was taking Zantac and unfortunately died of cancer. Uh, there's, you know, still the same process is involved where we file a census plus form. We try and uh, retrieve as many of the medical records as we can, but you can still pursue it. And then, you know, there's also something to note is, is sometimes, you know, because we're dealing with cancer cases, we have clients that file lawsuits while they're still alive. And then tragically they, they died during the litigation. Uh, the family can then step in and pursue that litigation for the loss of that loved one, for the wrongful death and survival damages. And courts recognize uh, the sad reality that many claimants may not survive to see the end of this case or, or really any of these cases. And because of that, uh, in some of those circumstances, we can fight to have a deposition of the individual before they pass away. You know, it, and it's, it's, it varies from case to case and it varies in terms of the health of the uh, plaintiff, but it's certainly something we've done in many cases where we've taken a deposition of, of our client before he passed away. And judges understand that and the defense attorneys understand that. And, uh, you know, and, and they're, they're sensitive to the situation, the emotional difficulties surrounding giving testimony in that circumstance. Now, these are the pending Zantac cases are uh, they're civil lawsuits. Uh, and I want to talk with you about damages in a case like this. Now, you and I, we don't have a crystal ball. We have no way of uh, anticipating how these cases may play out. There's still a lot of evidence uh, that needs to be disclosed by all parties involved. But, um, you know, obviously when you file a, a civil lawsuit, your, your sole recourse really is to get economic compensation. Um, and, you know, I, I have obviously, we have no way of predicting the value of these cases, but can you just talk through the available damages in a, in a civil case uh, such as Zantac, um, where you know someone at home may be thinking, well, I don't know if it's worth bringing a case. Um, it may not be that much, um, which I, I hear pretty consistently. But can you just sort of uh, explain the potential damages available in these cases? Yes, uh, you know we're talking about cancer cancer lawsuits here. You know, the damages are catastrophic. Uh, it's the worst news for anybody here that they were diagnosed with cancer. And we're also talking about a case where, you know, the allegation is that uh, these drug manufacturers were creating a, a, a drug, you know, that was, uh, was dangerous, was cancer-causing. People were consuming this, and it was essentially uh, like putting uh, gunpowder and, uh, and uh, fuse in somebody's body, and it was being lit once it was mixed with water and other substances within your body and causing a very toxic cancer-causing substance, MDMA. And the types of recoveries, you know, in a situation like that where somebody's wrongful conduct caused somebody else to get cancer, in some cases to die, you can get, uh, you know, what's called loss of consortium. You know, the family can get a recovery and survival 
claim. Family can get a recovery for the loss of love, the loss of having that person around, uh, pain and suffering for when the person was alive, um, emotional trauma, emotional distress, economic damages, lost income that the person could have earned, uh, past and future lost income. So if they weren't able to work for a period of time because of cancer treatment, uh, you can also get punitive damages in, in these cases. You know, we don't, at this stage, we don't know yet whether we will, but there's certainly gonna, in many of these cases, we do get punitive damages. And, and those are additional damages, which, which can be significant uh, as a way to punish the drug manufacturers if they in fact knew about the harms and didn't warn people or didn't take uh, the necessary actions to protect, protect the consumers. Well, it certainly seems like these are cases which really are going to be an emerging area of litigation. Um, and I, I really appreciate you sharing your insight with us. Um, if someone is sitting on the sideline, sitting at home, is there anything you would tell them to do at this point uh, in terms of moving forward? If they're, if they're sitting on the sideline and they're a little hesitant at this point, um, do you have any, any suggestions for them? They should immediately contact a lawyer to understand their rights. They don't have to make a decision whether they wanna file a claim or not uh, just yet, but they should understand, are there any deadlines that could apply to them? Is there any statute of limitations that may be expiring soon? And speak with a lawyer and find out uh, you know, what their rights are. And also whether they have a potential claim. You know, maybe they don't, but it would probably give them some peace of mind to know that, uh, you know, they, they had asked a lawyer, they spoken to a lawyer and they did not meet the criteria. Uh, but you don't want to sit around and do nothing if there's a chance that your Zantac uh, consumption did cause serious injuries uh, up to and including cancer. Uh, and if you were taking Zantac for a long period of time and you don't have cancer, uh, you should still be monitoring your health. I would speak to a doctor about it uh, just to get their opinions on, on you know, whether you are at risk and more importantly, to make sure that you don't take any other substances uh, like Zantac that have this toxic substance and that you, know, you switch to alternative drugs that are safer for heartburn or acid reflux. This is great information, Marty. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your expertise with us today. And I, I look forward to talking with you about this again as these cases uh, proceed towards trial. Um, thanks again. And uh, I'm gonna put everyone's, your contact information in our show notes, but uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Personal Injury Law Podcast. I'm Jonathan Rosenfeld. If you or anyone you know would like more information on any of the topics on the podcast, please visit my website at rosenfeldinjurylawyers.com. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Please feel free to rate the show and leave a review. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.